Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the EDH RecCast. My name is Joey Schultz and I'm joined as always by my fantastic co-hosts. First up, he puts the tricks in Strixhaven. It's Matt Morgan. You know, Joey, I heard Dana actually was caught uh, chewing on an electrical cord, so his wife had to ground him, actually. Uh, But he's doing better currently and uh, you might say he's conducting himself uh, a little bit better. I okay wait Matt is he conducting himself is he thunder conductor or a thunder collector because it says two different things on his card uh Jewel not believe just what he was doing exactly actually (laughs) this guy I'm not sure what exactly but uh (laughs) we'll we'll find out okay so that was incredible. Let's 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 see how he's doing, Dana. Uh, let's see if you can follow that up. Anyway, he puts the strict in Strixhaven. It's Dana Roach. How you doing, bud? And can you follow up all of Matt's amazing dad jokes or no? I cannot follow that up. He was on fire. Um, he brought the heat there, so there's nothing I can do when that kind of joke inferno erupts. Um, I will say this: um, by the time this show airs, I will have gotten to actually play in-person EDH with a couple of friends who have also been vaccinated for the first time in over a year. So um, I'm just really excited about that. So um, yay for in-person commander once again for the first time in a long time. That's really heartwarming. I'm glad to hear that, man. Yeah, Dan, I'm I'm glad that you had that outlet to to, (laughs) to play some commander, man. No, no, Matt, you're, you're, that was terrific. But no. I get it. Okay. You're you're pretty shocked at how how well these puns are coming. I get it. Let's just get. Well, I gotta do my intro, man. Oh man, take it easy. Anyway, this is the EDH Recast. EDH Rec is the best deck building resource on the web for the Commander format, compiling data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new Commander decks. And here on the podcast, what we like to do is give all that data a little more context. Dana, I'm gonna pass this off to you because. Who even knows what Matt's up to right now with all those dad jokes over there? What are we talking about on this week's episode? We are going to be looking at targeted creature removal. We're going to be doing some reviewing of removal. Yeah, removal is just such a huge thing. It's so important in games of EDH because there's going to be something that your opponents are up to that you've got to deal with and get it off of the battlefield in some way. But the choice of which removal spells you ought to use in your deck compared to all of the different ones that are out there can get a little bit complicated. So we're going to talk about our experiences with some of these removal spells, their popularity, and whether we think that some are better than the others. It should be a whole bunch of fun. Of course, before we get to our main topic, we do want to pause really, really quickly and thank the folks at the Command Zone podcast. They handle all of the post-production work on our podcast here, making it look as awesome as it does. So thank you all so much. And of course, we have to thank our sponsors for the show too. Uh, the DH Recast is sponsored by Card Kingdom and TCG Player. Uh, let's say, just to choose a random example, you need to buy three copies of Archaeomancer's map for different decks. Card <laughs> Kingdom will have them in stock and they will ship them to you on the first day it's legal to do so. Uh, similarly, let's say you just now realize that the Ozolith is really good in your um, Athreos deck after six months of playing it, um, you can go on to TCG Player and find a cheap copy of the Ozolith and get it sent to your house in time to go play those in-person Commander games. Just go to EDH Rec and click on the card in question. Uh, choose the vendor link down below. Doing so supports both the site 
and the show. Now, say you're feeling really amped up and you want to support the show directly, <laughs> you can do so over at patreon.com slash edhretcast. We have Patreon tiers of all sorts of levels, whether you want to join the dad group chat that we have going on over there uh, in our Discord for all of our patrons. You can do that. There's all sorts of real bad puns and uh, uh, you might say it really sparked something in me uh, to want to do this intro. Um, also, if you want to see all these awesome dad jokes a day early, you can do so over at patreon.com slash edhretcast. There's tiers of all sorts of different levels for whatever you're looking to do. And we even have a very special tier where we shout out a very special patron every single week. So Brandon Mathis, thank you so much. Um, this shout out comes at no charge to you. Um, so we do want to say thank you so much for the support. No charge. <laughs> Thank you for, for thank you, Brandon. And I'm sorry that I'm not more composed, but Matt, you are killing me this episode. You know, sometimes my jokes are pretty positive. Sometimes they're negative. Uh, sometimes they're neutral. Wow. Well, I, oh let me just say, if, if you um, would like to see us play some commander uh, on spell table, you can find us every Wednesday night on twitch.tv slash edhrockcast. And this week we will be joined by Brandon from the Booster Tutor YouTube channel. So stop in and watch some fantastic commander getting played over the interwebs. Yeah, and we got to say, like, the stream is, we are playing via Spelltable, which is such a huge thing for us to be able to play remotely with yeah. folks. But the stream itself doesn't look like just Spelltable. It's really, really juiced up. It looks really super awesome. We've got card images on screen to help people following along. It's a really great community, so definitely check it out. Twitch.tv slash EDHRECast every Wednesday evening. It is a whole bunch of fun. You should definitely tune in. And it's awesome to have as many cool guests as we've been able to have on there. Yep. We've had Joe Johnson on at Black Nido on Twitter. It's just been so much fun to have a whole bunch of folks on the stream. I, I I know that we're just like plugging our own stuff here, but it's it's a really good time and it looks awesome as well. The the games are really fun. The guests like it, the the stream is just a conduit to hang out with some really great people. <laughs> Dang it! So I let's I I'm shook. I'm I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna do well presenting a podcast this episode. And I'm sorry, but Matt, you're taking me jo on a ride. Joey. I know some of these jokes they might hurt, but. Uh... <laughs> We, we got a show to get through. You got to pull it together, bud. I'm going to try. Let's get to our main topic. Let's get to our main topic now. We're talking about pinpoint removal. Specifically, we're going to be talking about single target removal that can get rid of creatures because that is one of the more important types of things that we'll need to be able to deal with in a commander game. And also, if we were to, you know, try and talk about anything that can remove artifacts or enchantments, like, that would be a much longer episode that we may not have time with because we do want to compare and contrast some of these removal spells, including some new ones that are coming out in Strixhaven that can deal with creatures because there are just so many to choose from now. So, Dana, I'm going to specifically pass this one off to you because I'm afraid of the dad jokes happening um, <laughs> even more. Uh, like, I thought I was afraid before, but I had no idea. Uh, so I'm going to pass it off to you. What are some general ideas that you have when it comes to choosing the removal spells that you put into your EDH decks? So when I'm looking at removal spells, um, th there's three kind of axes I'm looking for. I want them to be efficient, so I want them to cost as little as possible. I want them to be unconditional, so I want them to have as few restrictions on on when they work. And I want them to be multi-purpose if at all possible. So I want them to hit creatures and other things ideally. So the, the more of those three axes they hit and, and hit hard and, and meet as many criteria as possible, the better I like the spell. So those are the three things. In, in looking at the list, I had never really kind of quantified that before until I examined the list that we have of, of spells here. But those are the things I've kind of put together that make me want to run a spell. It has to rate fairly well in all three of those categories, if at all possible. All right. I can totally dig that. Matt, do you have similar feelings? Um, I mean, obviously, I don't think about it in, in that many categories, but the big thing is, it, like, if you want to win a game, you first have to not lose that game. So sometimes you have to mm -hmm. defuse a situation um, and, and, you know, get some removal, <laughs> you know, take care of a, a problem commander, a problem creature. So you do have to have some sort of removal just to make sure that you're not losing the game. And so finding ways to, to take care of that and incorporate that into your deck, um, it's absolutely vital. Yeah. That was masterful. I'm, I'm floored. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm really trying. I'm really trying to be here. I'm trying to be present, but Matt just keeps on taking me out of it. This is so, so good. I mean, that was, that was excellent. <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate it. 
<laughs> you're you're welcome. I was worried that you were about to dad joke me again, but let's just move on. Let's actually get to some examples yeah. of removal spells. Specifically, let's organize them by converted mana cost. I'm sorry, mana value, so that we can get through the list uh, more efficiently. And let's actually start with that point efficiency that Dana brought up. We're going to start at the lowest mana curve. So that is definitely hyper efficient when it comes to you know, just how much mana are you actually using to get rid of a problem on the other side of the battlefield? Matt, take us through a handful of examples of one mana removal spells, especially I think this category includes some of the most famous cards in EDH. Actually. Well, yeah, some of the most famous cards. We have Lightning Bolt. We have um, Dang it. Shock. <laughs> no, Spark no, Jolt. we're not. Nope. <laughs> Dana, okay. how about you do it? How about you do it? <laughs> I've learned my lesson. <laughs> So the the first two here we'll talk about are, are, are very similar. They are brothers from another mother, basically. We have Swords to Plowshares and Path to Exile, um, two of the most played targeted removal spells in the format. Um, Swords is in half of the decks that can run it, mm-hmm. and Path is in 30%, and, and I'm frankly surprised the numbers aren't higher than that. I think that's fair as well. Specifically, Path has been... A little bit more expensive in, until recent years. And even then, it, I don't know, those are cards that can always kind of climb up, but Path especially, because it just had fewer printings than Swords of Plowshares. Mm-hmm. But those things are just absolutely top of the line. But here's the thing. I wouldn't stop there when it comes to one mana removal spells. Granted, the exile that these are able to do can get around tons of big problems, indestructible creatures. That's a whole big deal. But I would honestly include as also top tier one mana removal spells, Rapid Hybridization and Pongify, which are blue. One mana destroy a creature and the owner of that creature gets a 3-3 token as recompense, which is just like, I don't care about that token. Your big problem is gone. I've gotten rid of your commander for one mana. I love those things. Yeah, just the name of the game here is just pure efficiency. Like there's a little bit of a trade-off with all of these cards, whether it's, you know, letting an opponent gain some life with Swords to Plowshares or or with, you know, the the Rapid Hybridization and Pongify giving them a 3-3 token. Yes, it could be considered a downside, but when you think about it in terms of would I rather let this commander hit me for oodles of damage or, (laughs) you know, let them win the game right here and there, um, having one mana for a little bit of a downside to survive long enough to to play another turn, that's absolutely vital. And so just being able to only hold up one mana as opposed to two, three or more, um, that is it's it's worth what little downside there could be because you are ensuring that you're actually surviving the turn. Well, and if you're talking about the things I talked about, you know, okay, efficiency, these are one mana spells, Swords, Path, Hybridization, Pongify, that's as efficient as it can realistically get. Yes, there's a few spells where you can cast them for free, but like for the most part, that's next to nothing. Um, they are relatively unconditional. Swords to Plowshares, if it's a creature, it just kills it. It doesn't care if it's a 40-40 or a 1-1. It doesn't care what abilities it has. If you can target it, it's gone. It, even indestructible in the case of Swords and Path, they're exile effects. So it just gets rid of the thing regardless. Um, hybridization and Pontify don't deal with indestructible stuff. So that's, I guess, a minor downside, but they just kill most things. It doesn't care. Similarly, it doesn't care about the power and toughness. It just solves your problem really efficiently. So while these aren't multi-purpose, it's just creatures, the fact that they are unconditional for the most part and efficient makes up for the lack of, of utility. And they are fantastic. And I would have a tough time myself not putting both in any decks that can run them, both white spells in any white deck, both blue spells in any blue deck. Yeah, and and the unconditional part kind of rears its head when we consider there are a small handful of black one mana instant spells that also can be uh, can serve as removal here. The ones that come to my mind are Defile and Tragic Slip. Tragic Slip, if a creature has died this turn, you can give something minus 13, minus 13, which also, like, that's going to get rid of nearly anything, and that would also get around indestructible. Um, Defile is minus one, minus one for each swamp you control, so those are also good, but Dana, like you've said, that's a condition. Those won't always kill something because tragic slip something might not have actually died on the turn that you really need some to get rid of something that can't be destroyed like those can be some small steps that you have to move through that can sometimes prevent those spells from being as impressive as what your other stuff can be up to in this mana slot well and and kind of like what you said about the black spells that's a big reason that we don't see any red spells that are really highly played in commander at this one mana slot because they're all damage based they're all conditional but whereas Mm -hmm. the you know the white and the blue options that we talked about those are one mana and like you said unconditional they destroy the exile they get rid of the problem they don't deal a certain amount of damage like lightning bolt does or like defile does where it gives minus x it's get rid of it it's gone no worries 
And in the case of Defile, for example, you know, I, I play Defile in a mono black deck. I don't know if I would play it anywhere else, but in a mono black deck, that condition kind of doesn't exist because, you know, when four out of your five lands tend to be swamps in a mono black deck, for the most part, it just kills stuff. It's it's going to be, you know, on turn one or two or three or something, it might only give the creature minus two, minus two, minus three, minus three, which tend to be the toughness of creatures you see at that early stage in the game. And when someone plays something big later on, you tend to have enough swamps to kill it too. So in the deck where, where Defile generally gets ran, the condition kind of goes away there in that deck. So uh, I like to file a lot in mono black in particular. Yeah, it, it's one that I've got a, a shakier relationship with, but we spent a lot of time just talking about one mana spells. And frankly, there's not a, even a whole lot at one mana and things really start to expand as we move up and up and up. So Matt, how about now we expand things into the two mana slot? There's a whole bunch of other types of removal spells going on here. What is it that we've got going on? Well, I, I won't I won't pain you with lightning strike and lightning helix. Um, so I'll go with Dispark instead. That's That's a totally viable... Removal spell, right? <laughs> Another electricity pun. But I, it's you, relevant. You, master of your craft. I do what I you, can. Absolute magician. So D Spark actually is <laughs> is a viable card. For the, all all puns aside, um, D Spark is it's in that two mana slot, and it has a little bit of a condition, but it also unconditionally gets rid of things. It's it's an exile effect. Has a limited amount of targets, but. It's in kind of in the, the same category, for me at least, as stuff like Terminate, maybe, which is just a, a black and a red for destroy target creature. Instant speed is, is a big thing that we're kind of going to, we haven't really mentioned yet, but is very mm. important to point out is a, a lot of these answers, the, the ones that are especially the most played in the format, happen to be instant speed and have these stipulations of destroy or exile target creature. Yeah, that's actually a really big thing. Probably should have mentioned it up front, but we'll talk about some sorcery speed versions of removal a little bit later on in the show because there is a different conversation to be had around the stuff that is worth it at only on your own turn space versus being worth it when like someone is attacking you with a huge creature and you need to remove it right there on the spot. That is a really big, important component to why you run removal in the first place. Uh, so you mentioned a couple of really cool ones there, Matt. A personal favorite of mine is Assassin's Trophy, which gets rid of like nearly anything you want and also gives the person a land back, but who even that that's fine i don't want you to have the big sphinx over there that's coming my way i need to get rid of it so that one's really excellent but speaking a bit more budget friendly there's also stuff like go for the throat which can destroy any non-artifact creature that said that one is also a little bit conditional so i'm wondering how you guys feel about stuff like go for the throat compared to and here's where i really get happy the card reality shift which can exile a creature and then that creature's controller manifests the top card of the library as a 2-2 on the battlefield it almost never is a creature that they can flip over i, I feel like other of the options, Assassin's Trophy, obviously, I'm certainly going to reach for that first. But the next one on my list when it comes to two-mana removal, I love me some Reality Shift more than I love something like Go for the Throat or even D-Spark. I mean, yeah, like all of these are obviously efficient as well. So that, that makes a big difference there. Reality Shift being an exile effect, I think, is a really big deal. Maybe you're playing a reanimator deck where you want to steal stuff from graveyards. And, and in that case, maybe it isn't. But like... If you're playing against a reanimator deck, reality shift, getting rid of the thing for good most of the time is pretty valuable, I think. Additionally, reality shift has some kind of neat utility in that I've used it on more than one occasion to deal with someone who did top deck tutor. <laughs> they vamp tutored for something that I was fairly certain wasn't a creature, and I've just reality shifted the first viable target they had just to force them to manifest that thing that I knew they couldn't then unmanifest. That's really clever. I love that. I've used Sir Conrad's activated ability in a similar way, which is really, really maddening to anyone who <laughs> has the misfortune of coming across it. But Dana, I love the trickery there. And, and so go for the throw doesn't have the utility, but it does have talked about a restriction there. It has it is conditional in that you can't um, hit artifact creatures with it. But in commander, you know, yes, there's a Golos or there's there's you know a Brea as commanders that you'll see on occasion, and and there's definitely good artifact creatures. But unless you're playing against a dedicated artifact deck, for the most part. That's not that much of a condition. So that's another example of a spell where the efficiency of it um, and the fact that it's not that conditional really makes up for the fact that it's just creatures and it's not very multi-purpose. Yeah. And in the two mana spot too, it's, it gets kind of crowded. Like it, it, 
the one mana spot that we talked about, there wasn't a whole lot of competition there. But even once you get to the very next category of two mana, it does get crowded really fast because, yes, black has go for the throw, but black has a ton of target removal options in the slot. And you even have stuff like Liliana's Triumph and you have Edict Effects where you get opponents mm -hmm. to sacrifice creatures as well. So it, it this field, it's... There's already a ton of competition trying to fill in, you know, so few removal spots in any given deck. Uh, yeah. And, and it, it really, it comes down to what are the trade-offs you're okay with? Like if Assassin's Trophy, are you okay giving them a land if you're, you know, being a buzzkill and getting rid of their Ugin? You know, that's, that's something that you often have to weigh out. So it's just, there's tons and tons of options and there's only going to get more as we go up in the mana cost. Buzz, I, I see what you did there. Yes, I, yes. I cannot I had, believe you. I had to slip it in. I, I, I love it. But yeah, no, like what you're saying there is absolutely true. Even if you're just playing an Azorius deck for the sake of example, just talking about the one mana and two mana removal spots, we've already discussed Swords of Plowshares, Path to Exile, Rapid Hybridization, Pongify, and Reality Shift. If you're following a formula of playing five single target removal effects, those are your five. And there are still other ones that you could be playing too. Like this gets really crowded really, really fast. So let's just keep on visiting whatever's in the crowd. Let's move to the three mana portion. This is where things really get get a lot bigger because now things expand to not just hitting creatures, but also more often than not being able to hit other types of permanents as well, at least a little bit more commonly. Dana, what are some of your favorite three mana removal spells and why? So here's where you're sacrificing efficiency for things that tend to be unconditional and tend to be multi-purpose. Mm -hmm. So the two that jump out at me when I think of three mana removal are, are Beast Within and the, the color shifted version Generous Gift. Mm. Um, they just solve the problem. Like it doesn't matter what the thing is, they make it go away and they, you wind up giving them some three, three creature that they represent with the dice and then forget about it until the board wipe <laughs> happens. Um, like the, the downside there is really, really minimal in commander and the upside is huge since they just solve your problem. So when we get to the three mana slot, those are the things that tend to, to jump to my mind as, as just being kind of the ultimate Swiss army knife for solving your problem. Yeah, any given deck only has so much bandwidth in its deck. Like, you you really have to find out, like... <laughs> Keep going, you're fine. I, no, no, I'm, I'm just letting you have your moment of enjoyment. I'm just having a conniption over here, it's okay. That's... I've never heard this many dad jokes in one setting. You're welcome, you're welcome. <laughs> But anyway, like I was saying, you only have so much space in a deck. And so when you're considering these three mana spots, what what are you trying to accomplish with them? Like how versatile of an effect do you need to be? Like you have, you know, the, the white black and the, the green black versions in, in Mortify and Putrefy, which are like, you know, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. But uh, oh, where I oh, no, that was no, no, that was a stretch. No, no, no. I'm sorry. No, I Matthew, <laughs> Matthew Morgan. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> That was incredible. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not good at this podcast right now. But dude, that's uh, okay. So resetting, resetting my, my brain right now. Mortify um, and so, putrefy. Yes, they go those hand are in good. hand. Yes, those those are good. But like Dana, I feel like you've already had a position before that between stuff like a, a removal soul we haven't even mentioned yet, anguish on making, which can exile anything you lose through life. But eh, do you even care about that? Like anguish on making. Then all of the one mana white removal spells that we mentioned earlier, plus a thing like D Spark. There's just so much happening in Orzov that you've kind of made the case that, like, unless you're on a budget, something like Mortify may not even be like the thing that you have room for anymore, right? Yeah, I mean, it's still in 27,000 decks. Um, and Putrefy is also in 27,000. So, like, those are very popular cards. But particularly in those color combinations, there's a lot of options and a lot of things fighting for those, those positions. Cards we've just covered, you know, like uh, you, you mentioned it, Joey, when you've already added swords and path to your deck and generous gift, then you're like, okay, well, D Spark's pretty good too. And do I even have room for Mortify at that point? It gets really tight here. And in the three mana slot, like I said, you better solve a whole bunch of problems or I'm going to have a tough time finding a room for you in my deck at this point. And Anguish on Making, 
again, like Beast Within or Generous Gift, solves all of your problems. Uh, Chaos Warp, another one we haven't talked about oh, in, in yeah. red. You know, yes, there's some downside. Someone can can flip a Perforos after you hit their Perforos, which is something that, <laughs> that just happened to us on stream fairly recently. Um, but most of the time they don't, though. Most of the time they hit a land, in which case it's, you know, basically like an Assassin's Trophy, or they just whiff and hit an instant or sorcery that doesn't do them any good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like just by, like if you're building a Mardu deck, all of those things that you mentioned, you just named off like eight removal spells or something. Right. You can't cram them all into one martyr deck. There is not room for all that single target removal. It's also just not necessarily game efficient for you to pack with too much removal. Some types of decks, especially if they're a little bit more controlling, maybe they can get away with it a little bit more about having specific pointed removal spells. But like using a removal spell on just one opponent and, and whatever their permanent is, you've got two other opponents who didn't have to do anything and one of their problems is gone too. So running too many single target removal spells can, I mean, that's also a balance issue that you have to do on top of the fact that there's just not enough room because there are so many options well and speaking of options too like we haven't even started to discuss you know one of the most famous removal spells in murder uh that that's kind of the the basis for so many different variations in black like you have heroes downfall and all these you know three mana black black and one destroy target creature and sometimes there's just a twist on it like heroes downfall you can hit a planeswalker as well so it's just how much flexibility do you get baked into any of these spots and We've only been talking for half an episode and you can already just see like how crowded this is because we're only touching just the tip of the iceberg with so many of these different options. Right. And another one that comes to mind here, Bedevil, Black, Black, Red, Destroy an Artifact, Creature, or Planeswalker. Another variant on that. Again, if you're building Mardu, which one of these are you able to play? Because there's just too many. Like you you could just build an entire suite of removal just in the three mana slot. It would be extremely flexible for sure in that Mardu deck. Mm -hmm. But... Like you said, like we, there are some just very, very efficient options that we've already discussed. And that's not even counting the, the more expensive options that we haven't discussed yet either. <laughs> true, true. But like, that's just it. Like when it comes to these, like I start making, I, I start getting very choosy. I look at a card like Bedevil and I'm like, this flexibility is interesting. But if I've ended up paying three mana to destroy an artifact, I feel like I've lost on some value. So I don't know if I would run this in Mardu. So I'm probably not going to consider that when it comes to something like murder. Great for a budget. But if we are tuning things up a little bit more, it is one of the first to go in exchange for a completely different color of spell. If I'm in white or if I'm in blue, I'm going to be reaching again for those Pongifies. Like, this is just a, a very crowded field. At a, at a, like, it accelerates so quickly into you do not have enough slots. So being choosy with them is really important and finding ways that they can synergize with the mission of what your deck is up to or the stuff that your deck specifically needs solving. I mean, that is what makes Chaos Warp so awesome is that is one of Red's only ways to efficiently get rid of, rid of an enchantment over there, after all. Well, I mean, the Hero's Downfall was a big deal in Theros. Like, that was a, yeah. it was a murder that also hit Planeswalkers. It was a strictly better murder in most cases. And I remember when that card came out, people being super excited about having a chance to upgrade to that in their commander decks. And, you know, yeah, it's still in 12,000 decks, but um, it's kind of fallen by the wayside because there's just so many better options, basically, unless you're in mono black. Um, The competition is just so fierce, particularly at the three mana slot where things can solve more problems than just creatures and planeswalkers. It's it's fallen by the wayside. and, And I mean, that's true of me as well. I think I, I only run it in mono black at this point. I mean, we've talked a ton about all these three meta options because this is where you really get to to storm through all these different options. But uh, four mana slots, like you still have some very, very good options coming up here. Like you have Utter End, which is another one of those Mardu removal spells. And that's just exile target permanent for two and a white and a black. And there's just, there's so many different removal spells that you can pick from. And, and man, there's, a lot of times they're going to start coming with upside even now too. Oh yeah. Another one that I, I want to say it kind of took people by storm a little bit was death sprout, which came out in one of the Ravnica sets, one black, black green, you destroy a creature and you search your library for a basic land card and you put it into the battlefield tapped and then shuffle your library. That one was a card that I feel like a lot of people were really, really interested in. And it is not a card I've even been able to put into a deck because with a bunch of other removal going on, I just don't know that I have room to hold up a four mana creature specific removal spell, even if it is one that gets me a land. I just don't know that the efficiency is there. The versatility is there, but also just that the room is there because we already have so many other ones that I have to wait through before I even get to this one. Yeah, I like Death's Road a lot, but it feels a bit like one of those cards that we would have all gone crazy for if it would have came out back in like Innistrad block. 
Um, but the game has just gotten just a notch more efficient than that. And it just doesn't quite feel like it. It makes the cut most of the time. Cause like you said, four mana is a lot to leave up. Absolutely. Four mana to me feels like wrath territory. Like it is literally the mana cost of wrath of God. And there are plenty of other variants from damnation to day of judgment that people can play at that mana cost. So when it comes to four mana removal, that's when I personally, I feel like I just shy away from it completely. I kind of just don't really care about utter end as a result of that even if it is you know i can get rid of anything there holding up four mana is really 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 big difference than holding up one mana for a path to exile even if path to exile can only hit creatures like the comparison there i i know maybe it feels a little bit apples and oranges to to some folks but again we've already discussed like six or seven other specifically orzov removal spells to this point and utter end being four mana which is like either twice as much or four times as much mana as some of the other options that you could be playing it just feels like a tough sell I mean, if I have a playgroup that's playing a lot of Planeswalkers or non-creature threats that we have to get rid of, I don't mind slipping in an Utter End every now and then. Uh, it's just being able to hit any non-land permanent, like that is just, it's so versatile that having one or two of these three and four mana, you know, very expensive, but very flexible removal options, I think that's just fine depending on your playgroup. If it's a very, very efficient cutthroat, four mana may be a tough sell, like you said. But if I had to hold up four mana in order to not lose because Ugin the Spirit Dragon was played, I will gladly take that trade because if I know it's coming, I can keep that utter end around and then, you know, get rid of that massive, massive game ending threat. Well, the one thing I would say about that using utter end again as an example is utter end is probably the the floor. If I'm going to run a format removal spell, it has to be as good as Utter End or better. If it's worse, it's just not something I'm going to consider. So I, I, I agree it's worth it in some situations, but it's it's the floor of what I would consider for a format removal spell, absolutely. Well, you know, Dana, there is another four mana spell that I would consider another type of floor entirely, and that's Deadly Rollick, which is able to exile a creature and it's free to cast if you have your commander in play. That technically is four mana, so like... I feel like that's better than Utter End completely, right? Um, you know, Deadly Rock is one of those cool free spells we got in, in a commander deck. Um, we get one of each color. For me personally, um, I don't run it. And it's not because it's not good. It's because the, the decks I have that have a black commander in them are decks where the commander isn't going to be out that often. Like the commander is useful, but it's not a super important part of the deck. Um, whereas some of your black decks, Joey, you're built around having the commander out as soon and as long as possible. So I think that's the real difference here, I think. Well, no, no. Like I was being almost entirely facetious when I was like doing that whole bit about bringing this card up. Like I think I play Deadly Rollick in my Virtus and Gorm deck because I do have two commanders and that doubles my chances of this spell being free. But I don't know if I play it a whole lot of other places. For one thing, it's expensive to get a hold of. So I mean, sure. that is certainly the kind of thing that's going to hurt its inclusion rates. Let's be real. But also like having my commander in play is a type of thing that I actually have to choose pretty carefully. Like when I want to cast my Sir Conrad or my Marin, I need some assurances that that's not like immediately going to wind me up the creek without a paddle, which Matt is very intent to do because he will use his path to exiles or his swords to plowshares on my Sir Conrad. How dare he? So yeah, the, this removal spell is not really as free as I want it to be. Even if it can exile a creature, there's a big condition on that one that, I don't know, it, it reads better than it sometimes plays in my experience. Then again, if you're playing something like Mogus Got a Slaughter, where your commander's always going to be in play, absolutely go off. That's an amazing spell to include there for sure. Well, well, Joey, I, I hate to give you a sudden shock, which is an actual magic card, <laughs> two mana removal option in red. Um, but oh, I feel like we do need to move on to a certain segment of ours. Yes, yes, let's do that. We've gone through a bunch of those instant speed removal spells, but let's also pause real quick away from those removal and talk about challenging some stats because it is one of our absolute favorite segments here on the show because there's just so much data on EDA Trek, but you know, we don't always agree with it. Sometimes we think that cards see too much play or too little play. So before we round out our end of the show with even more removal spells here, let's take a brief pause and challenge those statistics. Matt, you seem eager to start us off. How about you go for it? Sure. Well, this week I have the listener submitted challenge of stats, and this is actually a pretty good one. So a one stalker Texas stranger in our discord um, <laughs> must be a big Chuck Norris fan. Ah! I, I get it, man. 
Um, they had a very, very good challenge, though, that I think has some potential to really do some work. So the commander is the new precon commander. And I know Joey doesn't like preemptive challenges. I love them. So Stalker, I'm going to give you this as well. So just to tickle Joey a little bit. Um, but Oscar, the Reconstructor, that is the new Boros face commander for the uh, Boros or Lorehold now, uh, colored pre-constructed deck. Uh, it's two red and a white for a 4-4 giant artificer. Um, has several different abilities, but the big one that they kind of key in on is where you can pay X and tap Oscar and exile an artifact with mana value X from your graveyard, and you create two tokens that are copies of the exiled card, and you can only activate that as a sorcery. So the card that Stalker is challenging here is Garrett's Belligerence. So that's also from a pre-con a couple of years ago. Uh, Garrett's Belligerence is X red red for a sorcery that reads, uh, Garrett's Belligerence deals X damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures. Whenever a creature dealt damage this way dies this turn, you then populate. So you have the chance to get several different populate triggers from Geard's Belligerence if you're killing several different creatures. And as Stalker points out, with Oscar, you're creating quite a few tokens of just many different artifacts. And looking at the typical Oscar page so far, there's a lot of mana rocks out there too. So chances are you're going to be able to A, supercharge Geard's Belligerence for X equals you know, 10 plus, probably pretty easily. But also there's probably going to be some pretty valuable artifacts that you want to be copying and populating those tokens that you've already made with Oscar. Uh, destroying, you know, three or four tokens of your own even, say you have, you know, some some small one ones and two twos, killing those even with your own spell, just for the sake of populating, that's still not a bad fallback option. Now, I don't think that this is going to be a super must play, but as Stalker points out, it's not showing up on Oscar's page at all so far, and it probably should be somewhere on there because of the the, the potential to really take over a game. So, Oscar or er, Stalker, I really appreciate this pick. It's pretty great. So, Stalker and Oscar, whatever you got to do, man. But yes, <laughs> it's a very great pick. Yeah, populate effects in red are pretty hard to come by. So this is a pretty creative one to go out of left field to find something else. I like that. Um, I've also got an X spell as my challenge, and that's the card Animist's Awakening. One green and X mana for a sorcery that reveals the top X cards of your library, and you put all lands from among them onto the battlefield tapped and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. If you also have spell mastery, meaning two or more instant or sorcery cards in your graveyard, you will untap those lands that you just put into play this strikes me as yet another card that looks a lot better than it ends up being it's in 6500 decks still and i do say still there if you're looking for lands i do not think this is a good ramp spell even if you're looking for a lot of lands I have absolutely seen cases where people put eight mana into this thing and get just one or two lands, and then only those two lands will untap with the spell mastery effect. If you're playing landfall, landfall decks are also, they've got so many options. I don't think you've got room for this one, even when you're on a budget. Animus Awakening, I think, is a trap card for landfall decks. Find some other types of ramp instead of this one. Well, we were just talking about one of those cool free-to-cast spells that popped up in Commander decks last year. Um... Delhi Relic. So on that same topic, I want to talk about Deflecting Swat, which is also a free-to-cast spell if you control your commander. And it's two in a red otherwise, but what it does is it lets you choose new targets for a target spell or ability. So because this isn't one of those one of those things that only work when your commander's out, people tend to generally run it in decks where they're using it to save their commander. It's a way to deflect a, one of the many removal spells we discussed away from their commander onto something else. The problem is it costs like $30 despite being in 20,000 decks, and that's mm. really expensive. Do you know what doesn't cost $30 and costs 30 cents instead? That's Bolt Bend. Yes, I'm so happy that you did that. And also it's an electricity pun. How did you There we do go. This? It's perfect. <laughs> like, like we planned this almost. No, we really didn't. But yes, <laughs> Bolt Bend is so good. Keep, keep going. Um, <laughs> Bolt Bend is three and a red, and you change the target of target spell or ability with a single target. However, this spell costs three less to cast if you control a creature with power four or greater. So yes, it's not free, but if your commander costs four or greater, or your deck is filled with creatures that cost the, 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 have power four or greater, excuse me, um, 
this is dang close to being free to cast to do mostly the same thing as deflecting swat and it costs a quarter basically to pick up if you want one so there's a lot of cases where you're running deflecting swat in your deck to save that commander you should look and see what the the default power of that commander is because there's a whole lot of situations where bolt bend is functionally a second copy of deflecting swat I love that card so much. I love this challenge. Yeah, Bolt Bend can socket right into that same <laughs> spot in the deck. And it's it's so good. Yeah, I, I, I really like this pick, Dana. <laughs> Matt, you are amazing. You are on it tonight. I don't even know what you've been into, but it's uh, it's working for you. Keep with it. I've, I've been watching Extreme Alaskan Electric Workers Union on <laughs> Lifetime. I don't even think that's a real reality show. But. <laughs> it should be. It, well, okay. that's because it's blacked out here, so. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. All right, let's get back to our main topic. We're, good. We're talking about removal, and I might need to remove Matt from the show for us to be able to keep talking about it. I'm really sorry, especially if folks are just listening and they can't see how beat red with laughter my face is right now. Matt, you terrific human person, you. Let's talk now about <laughs> some stuff that I know that you can be, uh, you, you've got a lot of thoughts about when it comes to removal effects that can get rid of a creature or any type of thing, but especially that at least has the option to get rid of a creature that function at sorcery speed. There's a couple of different options here, including some sorceries, including some creatures that can destroy other creatures, including some enchantments that can do it. Tell us about some of your favorites when it comes to the much slower sorcery speed types of pinpoint removal. Well, I mean, there's tons and tons of different options here. Uh, the ones that I'm probably the biggest fan of, because of the way they're able to deal with commanders specifically, are enchantment-based removal spells. Uh, Darksteel Mutation is just such a powerful card because mm. if you have, you know, a, a Sir Conrad on the battlefield or a Veil of the Nightclad <laughs> or any of these other, like, just <laughs> obnoxious commanders that just can take over a game, being able to not just get rid of them, put them back in the command zone, but keep them on the battlefield, only change what they're doing can be so immensely powerful. Like Darksteel Mutation turning that Sir Conrad into a zero one little beep boop, you know, scuttle bug, whatever <laughs> it is. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what it's supposed to be. Or like <laughs> Dana is a big fan of Lignify and turning it into an 04 tree. Mm. Sure, it's a, a decent blocker, but I would much rather give somebody a decent blocker than give them a tool that's going to take over the game that I have no other answer for. Yeah, what really makes these cards stand out is, like you said, Matt, they turn off the commander and they don't let the person recast it. And there are some situations, Source of Postures is an amazing card, but we've all had those games where you're like, well, I can source this thing and it's going to be a problem again next turn. Um, yeah. That's one of the nice things about these enchantments in particular, unless someone has a sacrifice outlet many times, their commander is just no longer available for multiple turns unless they can find a way to remove that enchantment. Um, and a couple of them even hit multiple targets. Song of the Dryads isn't just restricted to creatures. Mm -hmm. Imprisoned in the Moon can hit Planeswalkers as well. Like Some of these also have some versatility. I, I'm a big fan of almost all of these enchantments that we've talked about in terms of removal. The fact that they're slow and you can only cast them as a sorcery uh, is, is made up for by the fact that they can really deal with the problem long term in some cases. Or even like Kenrith's transformation, even that mm -hmm. cantrips out, like you draw another yeah. card. Yeah, that's and huge. You, yeah, so if they have something, it is so much better to give your opponent a 3-3 three, three that just kind of sits around, or even, you know, it'll it's die, you know, it can die. Sometimes you have an indestructible threat. Uh, it's so hard to get rid of a lot of different things. So just changing aspects of the actual creature into whatever else, that is so invaluable that I think a lot of folks maybe underestimate in their own decks, but man... They're, they're so great to to have just in your arsenal of decks. Yeah, Kenrith's Transformation is showing up in 10,000 decks and rightly show it cantripping you is a little bit insane, especially because one of the things that green is supposed to be weak at, I know there are supposed to be weaknesses to green. It doesn't feel like it when you play magic, but it is supposed to happen. Green is supposed to have difficulty getting rid of enemy creatures without directly fighting them. And Kenrith's Transformation is just like, eh, you're an elk now. And also <laughs> I'll draw a card because cool, like that can be absolutely backbreaking against the, when you position yourself right. And that can be just so, so effective. So well, Joey, of, I don't know uh -oh. if you know this, Joey, but uh -oh. the thing that green is best at is taking what something else, you know, what another color of the color pie does <laughs> and fusing it 
into its yeah, own, it own, you know, arsenal of, of, of tools. I knew it was going to happen. I, I, I'm just the conductor here. I'm, I'm not the one going out and, and, you know, seeking these, these puns. Oh my goodness. Okay, so we've talked a lot about different enchantment-based removal spells, but now I kind of want to take the temperature in the room on Oblivion Ring, which can exile a permanent, but if Oblivion Ring leaves, then that permanent uh, would come back onto the battlefield. I feel like I do not like Oblivion Ring kind of at all. It shows up in 13,000 decks and not one of those is mine because when you use it on a commander, the players can just put the commander back into the command zone and then they can play it again. So for three mana, sorcery speed to get rid of, granted there's versatility here, but like it still can be got back. Like, I, I don't know, when I look at a card like Oubliette, <laughs> one that Dana just found out how to say recently, like that shutting off a commander so specifically feels way better than any versatility that a card like Oblivion Ring would would give me. Yeah, I think it's a good example of a card that's gotten edged out in recent years. Like, I, I, I believe when I went back through when Elephant, when Generous Gift was released, excuse me, um, Oblivion, the, the last Oblivion Ring I had in a deck came out for, for Generous Gift. I think it's just something that's been, been nudged out of decks by the, the Generous Gifts and the Council's judgments of the world. Yeah, it, getting, be, you know, being three mana and having all these other permanent exile effects that we've already talked about in the same colors, it is really hard to justify Oblivion Ring at this point. That said, uh, it's the same argument kind of goes for Utter End as it does for Oblivion Ring. If there are a lot of non-creature threats that you need the flexibility for in your playgroups, then it's a fine inclusion. You know, Banishing Light is the same type of thing. But yeah, the enchantment-based exile effects where they can get something back, um, you make sure you want to be, you know, kind of choosy with what threats you're getting rid of. Um, if it's something with an end of battlefield ability, probably want to just pass on that. <laughs> I mean, that's another big knock against it, too. Let's be honest. So, yeah, when it comes to removing creatures, I just don't feel like Oblivion Ring is what I'll reach for. And when it comes to removing artifacts or enchantments, which is a whole different topic, I again feel like Oblivion Ring isn't what I'm going to reach for as a result of that. And I would much rather rely on something else. Um, so we've just discussed a bunch of enchantments here, but there are also some sorcery effects that can get rid of stuff, too. Vindicate is just a three-mana Orzhov spell that can destroy a thing. Dreadbore is another classic one in Rakdos where you can destroy a creature or a planeswalker, but those are both sorceries. They do show up in fewer decks overall, sort of generally, than most of the stuff we've discussed so far. And I kind of want to get your guys' feeling about that, because, I don't know, it's been a long time since I've seen a Vindicate or a Dreadbore in a game of EDH, and I'm wondering if that's how you guys feel too. Matt? Uh, Vindicate used to be like something that was just priced out of a lot of players' pockets. Like It was, it was a very expensive card for a long time until it kind of got reprinted uh, into a more affordable space. But I think because... Vindicate specifically was so expensive, it kind of fell off the grid, as it were. Um, and people just kind of forgot about it. And then also by the time it was pushed back into players' minds, Anguish and Making was already around, which is a instant speed version. And, and as the stats tell us, people are kind of okay with paying the three mana for instant speed flexibility as opposed to Vindicate. So... The, the, I'm, I, I'm sorry, you snuck a, the grid in there. I did, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you're coming back to this. Uh, but I, l I, oh, I get it. You listeners can, can't see it, but I'm having a conniption. <laughs> you were just flowing with the current of what I was talking about. I, I get it. Oh my god! <laughs> but no, that that's that's a good point. Vindicate was one of those spells that was kind of a holy grail thing. I remember, you know, when I first started playing Commander, it was a card that was priced out of picking up. It was you know twenty plus dollars, and man, that's a really good card to run in an Orzhov deck. But I can't afford it. And like you said, Matt, the price came down, and as the price came down, we also got Anguish and Making, and we got D-Spark, and we had Generous Gift, and, and we've we've just picked up a couple other ones in in this in this newest set that we'll talk about in a few minutes. Um, mm -hmm. Competition has really hurt Vindicate as well, in addition to the fact that it was just priced out of decks for a long time. Yeah, and here's another factor that, especially when it comes to something that is sorcery speed, something that really distracts me from a whole bunch of the ones we've just discussed is that if I can play a Ravenous Chupacabra in a deck that abuses the fact that my creatures are dying in Aristocrats or Reanimator, I can bring them back, like that is going to push out a whole bunch of other types of removal because I can keep getting that one back or I can attach a Skull Clamp to it 
and sacrifice it like my deck wants to do. So your removal coming in the form of creatures instead of something like enchantment or a sorcery, that can also be the type of thing that a deck is primed to manipulate. Just like a Darksteel mutation might be manipulated by Tuvasa because, hey, that's another enchantment. You get even more benefit that way. Something like Ravenous Chupacabra, just, ah, I want to sing when I draw that type of card in a reanimator deck because that is the thing that I can continually bring back to just ruin Matt's day. Even Kendra's Transformation, you mentioned the the cantrip on there. If you have the ability to blink things, so you blink you blink Kendra's Transformation and then just put it back on the same target again, you're, you're out almost nothing and you've got a free card. <laughs> Whereas you, you really can't do that with like something like the Dreadbore. It's a one and done for the most part. So, okay, guys, now is sort of where like all of this has kind of been leading up to because we got a handful of new removal spells that look to be pretty efficient and versatile. In Strixhaven, we've got new cards like Mortality Spear, a four mana instant. This spell costs two less if you have gained life this turn that destroys target non-land permanent. In Golgari, quite an interesting one there. Or the new Resculpt, that is a one and a blue instant that exiles an artifact or creature and its controller gets a 4-4 blue and red elemental creature token. There's actually a couple of other ones here, but let's just start there. Strixhaven has introduced a couple of other new removal spells. How are we feeling about them and how do we think they fit into all of the other removal spells that we just discussed? Dana, what's your take? Um, you know, you mentioned Mortality Spear. Um, I don't have a deck that gains life consistently enough to really consider it. Um, I think your deck really has to go hard on the life game theme to be able to use that efficiently enough to consider a slot for it. So it, it seems pretty niche to me. It's going to see play, but I think it's going to um, be difficult to make work the way you want it to work unless you're playing a really super specific deck. Um, on the other hand, you mentioned Resculpt. Um, you know, Raven Form was a card that came out in Kaldheim mm. that I didn't think was good enough at sorcery speed. And even though it did hit artifacts, the fact that the token it makes is a flyer is kind of a big deal. Uh, a, a, a token you're getting someone with, with evasion um, is more concerning to me than one without, even if the one without is bigger. And in the case of Resculpt, yes, it's a 4-4, but it's just a dumb vanilla 4-4 that... <laughs> isn't a danger to your planeswalkers. It's not going to get swords put on it and sneak over the top to deal damage to you with that Black Blade or Forge or something. Um, so instant speed hit an artifact or a creature. I think a resculpt is legit and it's good enough to run in a whole lot of decks with blue. Yeah, a, a lot of these spells are, are kind of hard to evaluate. So like Mortality Spear and then uh, Baleful Mastery, that's another card that has a, a mm. kind of a deadly, deadly Rollock type of feel. Uh, so Baleful Mastery is three and a black for an instant and you can pay one in a black rather than pay its mana cost. Um, and if you do pay the one in the black, uh, target opponent or an opponent, excuse me, draws a card, which is, and then it just turns into exile, target creature, or planeswalker. So kind of like mortality spear, kind of like deadly Rollick, where it's, it's got a dynamic mana cost. Essentially, it's not a static one. It's, it's dynamic. And yet. <laughs> I chose, Help! I chose these cards specifically to slip that one in on wow. you. Wow. So. Tickled him. Someone, someone sent help. <laughs> we, Joey's just shocked at how good I am at this. We talked about go for the throat before, and I, I feel like, at least in my case, I have one deck running go for the throat still. I'm going to replace it with Baleful Mastery. I, I feel like for me, oh. being something that can exile stuff with no restrictions versus go for the throat, which is destroy and can, can hit artifact creatures, plus I am also going to be able to deal with Planeswalkers with it, is worth the trade-off of giving one person a card. And it's not the person whose stuff you hit necessarily. You can pick the person who's who's you know mana screwed and is never going to be a threat or the person that's going to die next turn because they're at two life. Yeah. Or you can make a deal with the person and, and play politics. So I, I feel like that downside isn't that big of a downside for something that's going to solve a whole lot of problems at two mana at instant speed. Yeah, it's it's just hard to, to evaluate some of them with these these different mana costs because how reliably are you going to be able to right. to negate whatever it is with like you said with mortality spear, how reliably can you gain life with deadly relic? How often are you going to have your commander out? And with Baleful Mastery, like how often are, do you not want to give an opponent a card? Those are all kind of questions you have to keep in the back of your mind with these these alternate mana costs. 
Yeah. When it comes to Mortality Sphere, like that one feels to me like it will be a slightly worse utter end most of the time. And it also kind of feels to me like a tragic slip. Like something has to have died for tragic slip to be as amazing as it is. And Mortality Sphere, you have to have gained life. And that can be trickier than it looks, or at least it's situational in a way that you may not 100% be comfortable with. And so a more dedicated theme there is going to really serve you well. It's interesting to hear you guys' thoughts on Baleful Mastery, because I'm not sure I feel the same way. For me, the condition on Baleful Mastery feels like a really big problem when it comes down to a point in the game when you're just a one-on-one if you've only got one enemy left that extra card could actually make a pretty big difference i feel so that one actually gives me a little bit more uh, reservations uh than the other ones i'm I'm not sure that i would make room for baleful mastery in the way that uh, dana you seem to be singing its praises um you know i've found that the card draw off of arcane denial doesn't hurt as bad as i had imagined it once would just because mm-hmm. the problem you're solving with Arcane Denial as a counterspell is a problem that has to get solved. I feel like if you're target removing a creature, it's also that level of problem. And I, I, I feel like I will not be that concerned about giving up one card, particularly because in this case, I can sculpt that, whereas I can I never can with Arcane Denial. So um, mm-hmm. I guess we'll find out, but I, I, I'm relatively hopeful for Baleful Mastery. It's just really interesting, like how you guys are generating, you know, these these alternating <laughs> views on it. And it's the same card, but you guys are almost like on the on polar opposites as far as like what how you're approaching a single card. So, um, listeners out there, uh, we have an announcement to make. We are considering openings for a new member of the EDH oh. cast to replace Matt Morgan. He will no longer be with. Us. I am insulated against that type of charge. Dang it! <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> I am the nucleus the, of this podcast. This this <laughs> this this is no longer even an EDA Trek based podcast. This is just Joey is losing his mind <laughs> dot podcast. Okay, so there's one more uh, removal spell from. <laughs> dang it! There's one more. From, I can't even get through the sentence. There is one more removal spell from Strixhaven that we haven't even addressed, and I feel like I know why. Vanishing Verse is a white and a black for an instant that exiles target mono colored permanent. I feel like all of us, like, noticing it, even in the show notes, it was the last one that we wanted to talk about because it feels like maybe we're not super impressed with this one. What do you guys think? Dana, I'm going to hand it to you because I'm afraid of Matt right now. I think Vanishing Versus is a decent card, but I think it's probably going to see more play in competitive areas where they're, you know, going to be removing things like Carpet of Flowers that cost a single green or your Explorations or your Mystic Remora kind of spells that get out of hand in terms of their generation. I think in more casual circles, you just see a lot of multicolored stuff. And I, I, I don't know if it's quite as good at the game I play as it is maybe in the competitive sphere. Um, Fracture is also one that costs the exact same thing. It's a white and a black for an instant. Destroy target artifact enchantment or planeswalker. I think given the choice at the tables I play at, I think Fracture probably destroys more things I want destroyed than does Vanishing Verse. I feel like that's a really interesting comparison right there, Dana. That's kind of illuminating something about why I don't necessarily like Vanishing Verse a whole lot. Fracture that you just mentioned doesn't hit creatures at all. So it's technically outside of the realms of what we've been discussing in the majority of this episode. But I feel like Fracture is going to hit basically the same amount of things as Vanishing Verse. Most people are playing commanders that have more than one color. And there are famous things like a Blightsteel Colossus that a Vanishing Verse is not going to help you out with because those are not monocolored permanents. And sometimes those are the biggest things on the board that you really do need to get rid of. So Fracture being able to destroy something like a Smothering Tithe or like a Rhystic Study is also going to end up being kind of the same use case as Vanishing Verse. So that's just why, in addition to the fact that we've got the other things like the D-Spark and plenty of the other Orzhov removal spells uh, that we mentioned before, something Vanishing Verse, I feel like just it indeed does kind of vanish when it comes to Orzhov removal or just removal in EDH in general being as efficient as it is. Well, it's also one of those things that's a little bit tough to control the the variables. Fracture you just can destroy an artifact or enchantment or planeswalker. Like you're going to see those creature types in, or those card types, excuse me, in decks you play. Um, Vanishing Verse, you're just going to get weird situations where like you sat down and you happen to play against two five color decks and a three color deck, and you're just not going to see many targets that, let alone ones you want gone. So for me, I, I also don't like that kind of, feeling that I might have this removal spell that's just going to not really work based on blind luck. So I, I guess then Dana and Joey too, because you're you're here, you're quite the dynamo. Um, <laughs> would you give 
Strixhaven's contributions in the removal department, would you give them a thumbs up or a thumbs down when it comes to, you know, something that you're going to consider when building your commander decks? Uh, for me, I'm really impressed by Resculpt, and I'm not sure that I'm super impressed by the rest. Um, Mortality Spear also catches my interest, but only in the right deck and not as a generally useful thing. But Resculpt feels to me like the winner of all of them. And also, Matt, you're an absolute treasure. <laughs> you... That was slick, and I love hate you for it. Well, I'll t- I'll take that. <laughs> All right, uh, Dana, your thoughts? Please save me. Um, thumbs up for me. Um, I agree with you, Joey. Resculpt is going to be a card that um, is going to be looking for a home in almost any deck I play that has access to blue. Um, so I think definitely thumbs up there. I think Baleful Mastery and Fracture are cards I liked maybe a little more than you did. I have decks where I'm going to try them, and I, and I would imagine they'll stick around. And there's one more card that's like not necessarily target removal, um, but Culling Ritual is a is a removal spell. It's kind of more of a sweeper, but in, in the the, the black oh, yeah. green area that I also like a lot. So it's not really part of this group, but it's a Strixhaven removal spell. Um, finding four removal spells in one set seems pretty unique to me. So I think. They've really knocked out of the park here with with ones that I think are good enough for me to want to run, let alone ones that uh, Mortality Spear is probably going to be great in a couple of life gain decks as well. So, like, there's also that level of card here that I think is that even if I'm not going to play it, that's still pretty deep in terms of how many good removal spells there are in one set. Yeah, that, that's fair. I'm more impressed by Mortality Spear than I was by Deathsprout. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, there's definitely four, but there there's... Upwards of six-ish options, I think, that that one set is adding to. And uh, that's that's a pretty good start when it comes to just one category for your decks in Commander. All right. So that was a whole bunch of removal. So let's remove ourselves from that discussion now. And I just kind of want to wrap up. Matt, did you enjoy that pun? Or are you just I, I, I saw what you did there, but it wasn't on theme. <laughs> Fair. I'll take that. Anyway, uh, I did have one other question that I felt was kind of looming over this conversation that I feel is pressing to ask, and that is the question of whether you guys consider counterspells to be removal spells as well. We didn't discuss any counterspells in this episode, but is that something that you think on our part was an oversight, or like, do you count counterspells as a completely different category? Matt, where are you feeling with the counterspell situation? Um, I do, I do and I don't. It really depends on what the goal of the deck is. Uh, yes, you're being a little more proactive in, in saving something, but also it, it, the, the, if the threat's already on the battlefield, a, a counterspell is useless. So it goes back to Dana's question at the beginning of the show where I was talking about, you know, when it, are you able to do it? How flexible are you? And you're taking out half of the time when you could be using a counterspell as removal. So I typically don't. Mm. Yeah, but I, I feel the same way that they are defensive tools for me. But Dana, how do you feel? I was going to say I do count them as removal spells, but I went and looked through all of my decks that have counter spells, and they have the same amount of removal spells as my decks without counter spells. So mm. I guess that means I don't count them as removal <laughs> because it hasn't changed the amount of removal I actually run. So um, despite what my answer was going to be instinctively, that's clearly not correct. I, I guess yeah. I don't count them. Sometimes when you're using counterspells as removal, like it's not good to be the reactor. You have to be the proactive person in there. Was that another reactor? Was yes. that another? Are you, <laughs> that you okay? Distracting myself from that. Yeah, I, I feel like to me, I use a counterspell the same way that I would use the bolt bend that you mentioned earlier, Dana. Mm-hmm. Like that is a defensive tool for me that I use most often to protect my commander or some lethal late game swings, something like that. Uh, so I personally don't, but I know that when a discussion about pinpoint removal comes up, counterspells do tend to be a part of that conversation and just wanted to get our thoughts down about that. Do you guys have any other final thoughts when it comes to all of these different removal spells? Final messages, final things that you want to take home, the most important point you think. Uh, Dana, I'll pass it right back to you again because again, I cannot stand one more electricity pun, <laughs> but where are you feeling when it comes to looking over all of these variable removal spells that we've got? How are you feeling now with <laughs> just looking, sorry, another electricity pun just entered my into my head. So I wasn't able to, let's, able to let's bring it. So I'm let's just bring gonna, it. I'm just, no, no, no. We're just going to pass it to pass it to Dana. Just going to pass it to Dana. Um, so I, I don't think there's, ahead. there's a right or wrong answer here necessarily. Um, is swords to plowshares 
a premier removal spell in any deck that can run it, yes. But, like, I don't think you're wrong if you just don't like Swords of Plowshares for some reason. So just because we value these cards a certain way doesn't necessarily mean you're wrong if you disagree or you don't run them. That's um, um, play the way you want to play. And, and I think an extension of saying play the way you want to play is some of these cards play differently in someone's hands than they do in someone else's hands. Um, you know, as a source for speed removal spell, I have really, really good luck with Council's Judgment. But I've heard people say they don't. Um, I believe mm. that. I, I'm sure it isn't good in some environments and some metas. I just ha have not encountered those. Like, I've had great luck with it. So just because someone likes a spell doesn't mean that it, it won't play poorly for you, too. I think a lot of this is, I've used this term before, but it's more art than science to a degree. So so do things the way you want to do them and do things the way that work best for you, I think, is what I, my final thought would be. Yeah, I, Dana touched on a really good point. The removal that you're picking for your deck has to be reflective of the of the play group that you are within. So if there are a lot of non-creature threats that people are winning with, Typically, you want, probably want to have a little more diverse effects. So you may only have like Ace Swords to Plowshares and you're playing some of these other removal options that maybe we weren't too keen on. It just depends on, you know, the, the power level of the decks and then, you know, how powerful do you want your uh, your removal options to be? And yes, I said power twice <laughs> trying to get some sort of reaction from Joseph. Uh, you, you didn't on that one. I, I'm afraid. I'm I didn't afraid transmit not. anything fun to you. That's, that's things. Nope. No, and, and it's just been interesting to see uh, which of these spells that we like most, which of these spells that we're maybe, uh, you know, not quite jiving on. But there are a few that we did certainly vibe with, and I wonder if we'll have a mutual induction into our decks as a result. I, I see what you did there. That was, <laughs> it was a good attempt. It was good. It was good. It was good. It was good. I, was going for top, I was going for top 10 anime betrayals. On, I've, on like, I've got ah, some Joey's to share, too, so if, if you need me to, to give you some, like, I'm, I'm a battery for these things, so I can, I can lend it out. And with that, it is time to <laughs> call this episode to a close. <laughs> Fellas, on the wild chance that any of our listeners would deign to get in touch with us rascallions, where is it that they can find you? Matt. <laughs> so you can find me on the Twitters at Mathemus55. Power up your, your laptops, your cell phones. <laughs> Head on over to twitter.com slash Mathemus55. M-A-T-H-I-M-U-S-5-5. And don't forget, we have some pretty powerful decks going on. Some uh, radiant guests <laughs> at twitch.tv slash edhrecast. And Dana... How about you, man? <laughs> you can find me on our Twitter birds at Dana Roach. Uh, you can read my articles at EDH Rec and Commander's Herald. You can find me once a week on my other podcast, CMDR Central, and you can find all of us together at patreon.com slash EDHRecCast. And I'm Joey Schultz. You can find me at Joseph M. Schultz on Twitter, and you can find the cast at EDHRecCast on either Facebook or Twitter. And if you have a question, you can contact us at EDHRecCast at gmail.com. Our thanks go out once again to the whole team at the Command Zone podcast who handle the post-production work on our podcast here. Thank you for putting up with all of these electricity puns. <laughs> and to our sponsors <laughs> as well, TCG Player and CardGameDom.com and Altersleeves.com. You can find all of them using the price info links on EDHREC or by visiting CardGameDom.com slash EDHREC or altersleeves.com slash idiotrek to show your support for the show. Listeners, we will be back at you next week with more data and insights. But until then, remember, EDH wreck your deck before you wreck your deck. Mm -hmm.